and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. You know, the more I study the Bible, the more I realize that every single book from Genesis to Revelation all point to Jesus. In the Old Testament, Jesus is predicted. In the New Testament, he is revealed, preached, explained, and expected. You find him everywhere because Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible. I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies on my blog. This next series is a hunt for Jesus in the Old Testament. It's how God's story becomes our story when we invite him into our lives. It will help us get to know God better, more intimately. And that's what he wants. He wants a relationship with us. Yes, you and me. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to study what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. Jesus in the Old Testament part four. We're in Jericho. Um, we're in Jericho. Yes, we are. <laughs> and Joshua chapters five and six. Jericho is destroyed. And now war begins. Yes, a holy war is about to begin as God leads the Israelites into the promised land. What makes this different from other wars is we already know the outcome. Not just that this is a history book, but God tells Joshua, Jericho is yours. Nothing like knowing you're going to win before the battle even starts. That definitely is a boost of confidence as well as trust. You can't be confident if you don't trust God. It was the people of Jericho who were afraid. Word spread quickly about how God dried up the Jordan River so the Hebrews could cross. You'd think they'd turn from their pagan worship and turn to God like Rahab did. She and her family are the only ones spared. Let's dig into this story. Joshua 5. When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. Israel reestablishes the covenant ceremonies. At that time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the second generation of Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population of Israel at Gibeth Haraloth. Joshua had to circumcise them because all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died in the wilderness. Those who left Egypt had all been circumcised, but none of those born after the Exodus during the years in the wilderness had been circumcised. The Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight in the battle when they left Egypt had died. For they had disobeyed the Lord, and the Lord vowed he would not let them enter the land he had sworn to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So Joshua circumcised their sons, those who had grown up to take their father's places, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. After all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that place has been called Gilgal to this day. While the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, 
they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. The very next day, they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. No manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land, and it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. The Lord's commander confronts Joshua. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied, I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Ooh, where have we heard that before? Exodus. And you can click on over to my blog and check out that story. When Moses confronted God at the burning bush, told him that, take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy ground. Now you might think this is Michael, the archangel, but no, this is Jesus the pre-incarnate Jesus. He is the commander of the Lord's army. Michael is just a soldier. We'll see him in upcoming stories and we'll see Jesus in the end times coming back to fight the Antichrist along with all the raptured believers on white horses. Oh, that's gonna be so cool. Continuing, Joshua 6, the fall of Jericho. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing their horns. When you hear the priests give one last long blast on the ram's horns and have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So Joshua called together the priests and said, take up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town and the armed men will lead the way in front of the Ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched and the Ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns and some behind the Ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout. Do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. Then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched marched with both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. 
On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had before. But this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord God has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction or you yourselves will be completely destroyed and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it with their swords, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, goats, and donkeys. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise, go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. She lives among the Israelites to this day, and we know that she marries somebody from the tribe of Judah. And then they have a son called Boaz, who marries a lady named Ruth, who has a son named Obed, who has a son named Jesse, who has a son named David. And as we go down the line also has, a, and then Joseph has a son named Jesus. So Rahab is a very important person. Oh, at that time, Joshua invoked this curse. May the curse of the Lord fall on anyone who tries to rebuild the town of Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundation. At the cost of his youngest son, he will set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua and his reputation spread throughout the land. Well, today's holy war. We are fighting a holy war right now. This is like the Islamic Jihad. No, this is a spiritual warfare. Paul explains in Ephesians 6, and I did a study on that. You can click onto my blog and, and, and read that. We, however, do not need to be afraid, and there are two reasons why. First, we know that Jesus wins victory over Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and all the bad guys and unbelievers in the end. That's in the book of Revelation, and I've done a study on that, so you can click on over to my blog and check that out. Second, God provides us with his armor. That's in Ephesians 6. Go check it out. Make sure you put on the armor of God every day. No longer slaves. Another point here is the change in their status from slaves in Egypt to wanderers to free people to victorious residents of the promised land. Jesus frees us from the slavery of sin and religion. Paul explains 
in his letter to the Colossians. We're reading from Colossians 2, 11 through 15. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, quote unquote, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins, because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Just like God disarmed the king and the soldiers of Jericho, he gave victory to Joshua and the Hebrews. And Jesus won our war with, uh, with sin by dying on the cross and taking away our sins past, present, and future forever. Now, Jesus didn't die so we could have religion. He died so he could have a relationship with you. Besides that, he's coming back very soon. Are you ready? It's time to get right with God. If you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way, nonstop ticket to heaven that you won't be left behind at the rapture. This is what you have to do. You have to believe and have faith that Jesus is the Christ and he died taking your sins away forever. You need to repent of your sins. Stop sinning. Do a complete 180 in your life and surrender your life to him. Be baptized, show the world and yourself that you have died to your old life and are born again in Christ and receive the Holy Spirit in your heart. What are you waiting for? Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Okay, you can click on over my blog and I dug out a, a hymn that just this reminded me of. Onward Christian Soldiers. Marching us to wall with the cross of Jesus going on before. And I also have from um, Spoken Gospel, Joshua 6. <clears throat> and you can click over if you don't know what to say to invite Jesus into your heart. There's a prayer in the show notes or click on over to my blog and click where it says how to invite Jesus into your heart. I also have lots of other Bible, Bible studies in there on the end times on the rapture, on the book of Revelation, and all, all of Paul's letters, um, and all of the gospels except for Mark, that's coming in the future. Um, so, um, you know, go click on my blog and check them all out. Again, soli deo gloria, to God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, 
the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory.